Reading from the fifth chapter of Romans, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Good morning. On this Father's Day, I was thinking about fathers and kind of parents in general, and that one of the roles that they play in the family tends to be the peacemaker. If you've ever been on a trip for a long time in a small contained vehicle with a family, eventually the family's goal is that everyone makes it home. Uh, as you get into, he touched me, he's in my space, he, she looked at me, she hit me. And what do I got to do to make it home safely? Everybody intact. And uh, as, you know, someone expecting, uh, any time soon, we are adding a new person into the family and into the mix, and a new person that's going to have their own agency and their own, I want things my way. And that dynamic will change our whole family uh, interactions over time. And so I'm very, you know, I'm, that's on my mind right now. But maybe uh, for you, that kind of inner family conflict um, wasn't as present. Maybe it was in a work experience. Maybe you loved a job, but man, this, the supervisor or this coworker, somebody just, you kept butting heads and you just couldn't work together. Um, but I think something that we all have in common is we know what it is to be in conflict with others. And we're not alone in that because Sometimes it's nice to see that even some of the pinnacles of, of our human work experiences the same problems that we have. And so when you think about the human achievement of space travel, of going to the moon, of trying to go to Mars, and all of these great minds getting together and coming up with the science and the math to get human bodies that are made for this space to go otherwhere, other places, to places that it shouldn't survive... And in the midst of that, they're doing all of these tests, but it has to include psychology tests. Because, sure, the ship might make it, but maybe the crew won't. And so they do all these tests of, you know, do all female teams work better? Do all male teams work better? Do mixed gender teams work? Uh, do we, they do better if we have a, like a real strong goal in front of them? Do they do better if we put them apart and they have to do their work solo, or do they do better if we make them collaborate? And they do all of these psychological tests and pay a lot of money to do it because they realize one of the biggest challenges to some of the greatest achievements is actually the people involved, not always the external factors um, that we tend to think about. And so how do we find peace in a world of conflict? Because we have conflicts all around us. We, we walk from one conflict to the next, and yet we have a God of peace, and we're trying to figure out how on earth we can bring about God's peace in our own lives. 
And before we can really get into that, I want to talk about why Paul's writing a letter to Rome. We read from Romans chapter 5, and sometimes we just kind of plop down a verse and just read it out of context, and, and sometimes there's still value in that, but I'm always a big proponent of we should understand what's going on. And for a long time, a lot of scholarship treated Romans like it was this abstract theology textbook that Paul was just this theologian in a university setting writing just pure theology that had no situations attached to it. Uh, and, and so modern scholarship has tried to correct this a bit more to say he's not just writing a, like a theology writing exercise. He's got a situation he's writing out of. He's got problems he's facing. The churches he's writing to have problems. So how do we situate what Paul says in the context of his life and his ministry. And so you just kind of can get a sense of that. Um, a, lot of, a lot of scholarship goes into this of maybe Paul's writing to Rome because he keeps experiencing more and more conflict in the Jerusalem area and his main ministry areas because everywhere he goes, he gets ran out of town. And people want to kick him out. They want to uh, get him off of the board. And so he's going from place to place and finding less places that are hospitable to him. And maybe he's writing to the church in Rome saying, I could use some support. I could use some allies in this struggle. Um, here's where my theology is, and I think it lines up with you. Might you partner with me as I'm about to take this offering back to Jerusalem, and I don't know how they're going to treat me. So that's one line of scholarship on maybe what Paul's doing. The other is that Paul is saying, I've already done my ministry in this area and I gotta go elsewhere. And so he writes at the end of Romans that he wants to go to Spain. And Spain didn't speak Greek like Paul's writing in. And Spain means I gotta get translators, I gotta get help, I have to have resources. And he's trying to get the church in Rome to say, those Spaniards actually matter too. Might I financially support Paul's mission to go on even to Spain? Uh, and so scholars wrestle with what's Paul's purpose here? He's going to write about all this theology, but what is he trying to do? But all of that is situated in he's got some problems he's trying to work through. He's got some struggles. And so in the midst of that, whatever Paul might be wrestling with in his everyday life, whether that's uh, future imprisonment, or just being treated poorly in the churches that he was in. Paul starts talking about peace. And it, in your Bibles, it might say, and I think our, our reading this morning said, we have peace with God. Now, the NRSV gives you a footnote that says, or let us have peace with God, which is very different. Uh, Strangely, some of the oldest manuscripts take that other reading, let us have peace with God. And there's a very big difference in just saying, hey, we have peace with God, so let me just talk about what that peace looks like, versus pleading with a community, hey, let's have peace in the midst of conflict. What is it to say to call people to peace? And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to say that first line of this passage again from Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace, or let us have peace. And you might need to know what Paul's been saying. Anytime you get the therefore, therefore since, we're missing some of this conversation. And what Paul has been talking about is, it's really fun, he starts out this conversation. You know those pagans and all those ugly, evil things they do? And God just let them do whatever they wanted to do. And everyone's like, yeah, they're doing some sinful stuff. And then he says, oh, by the way, since you're judging them, you're going to be judged too. And he turns to the audience and says, oh, you, you were really so glad about how everybody else has missed the point and missed it. Guess what? You're in that same boat. And we've all missed it. And none of us experiences God's salvation, God's peace, because we've earned it. We didn't work our way there, but just like Abraham, we had faith. And our faith is what puts us into our current situation. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, let us have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of just a generic statement, yeah, we got peace. Paul is pleading Since we are all equally justified, none of you are better than the other. No one has figured this out and are perfect. We are all in the same boat together. Now that we have Christ, let us have peace together. Because peace with God is also peace with our neighbor. We sometimes miss that. I think, oh, if I I go to church, maybe if I say my prayers or whatever it is, I can do whatever I want in the world because me and God are okay. But more and more in Scripture you hear that your relationship with God and your relationship with your neighbor are intertwined. So how can we have peace with God if we don't have peace with our neighbor? And so Paul in the midst of this says, let us have peace. But how on earth do we have peace? I love that Paul puts this uh, on the dependency of God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. We can't have peace on our own. It starts with God, and it was modeled faithfully to the end in the life of Christ. And that being said, it continues on our reliance on God. We have to rely on and celebrate God's hope and God's plans for the world instead of our own. And so Paul turns this conversation about peace into one about boasting. And that's a little bit strange because if you read through Romans, he keeps saying boasting is bad. Like, stop boasting. And you have to understand that the reason for that is in that ancient culture, um, it it was really focused on honor and shame. So I wanted to puff myself up to get ahead in society. I needed that society status And so I'd elevate myself, often at the detriment of others around me. And maybe to put it kind of in our own terms, um, what's that? You don't like the roads? Well, how about I fix that for you? I will make a generous donation on your behalf, whatever road you don't like. I'll fix it. But I got to put my plaque on it, my street name. Can we rename it after me? Because I need the honor of the generous thing that I do. 
and I need to get that recognition, and I need to elevate my status, and I need to boast and look at all these great things I've done. And that's how society worked. And Paul is saying boasting is bad. You didn't work your way into a relationship with God. God's, God faithfully uh, extended grace to you, so no one should be able to boast. And yet here, Paul is going to ask you to boast. So something is peculiar in this text. Paul says, let us boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. We've talked about the glory of God, of that weightiness of like the room tilting towards, towards God or towards whoever that glory is talking about. And so the room tips towards God. Are we, are we trying to put ourselves on God's side of the room? Are we, are we falling into that weight that's moving into something that, that we're God's at? Or are we trying to stand in the other corner of the room and trying to like stomp on it? Try to see if we can evil out, even out the weight of the room. Uh, are we hoping and sharing the glory of God instead of our own glory? The I need things my way. What about me? Is reshaped by Paul. Let's boast in our hope of sharing in God's glory. So much of Spirituality in our age gets so individualized. What do I get out of it? And so much of what Paul says is about what do we get out of being a part of what God is doing. It's a shared experience, a shared goal, a shared hope, and there's nothing individualistic about a Trinitarian God. The God of community calls us into community that shares in one hope of what God might do. And instead of celebrating myself or striving to elevate my own status, let's boast in what God is doing and what God will do. Paul, Paul moves on from this to a second form of boasting. So that first one, let's boast in our hope of what God might do. And the second aspect of boasting, let us boast in our sufferings. And that is as radically strange as, as the first. Because we want to celebrate ourselves, and what is it to turn and say, I want to celebrate what God's doing? But it's also incredibly strange to want to celebrate my suffering instead of my achieving, instead of my success, instead of my winning. What a completely weird way of living in the world. Boasting and suffering means we're often guilty of something. I don't know about you, but I think we naturally like to avoid pain, right? I mean, uh, pain's hard, pain hurts, so we, we look to avoid it. And maybe you've seen that, that parent who uh, is so afraid of their child getting hurt that they protect them so much, and then they get confused at 18 when their kid doesn't try anything, and they're afraid to take initiative and go out and, and fail at something because we've, we've kept them so safe but we're so afraid of, well, this might hurt, this might feel uncomfortable, this might not, uh, I might not succeed at this in the, in the very first time. And we're afraid of pain and we avoid it. And yet Paul says, let us boast in our sufferings. Um, I, I was thinking about, uh, my daughter and I were playing basketball outside and she, she likes watching basketball and she was trying to dribble the basketball and she dribbled it once or twice and it hit off her knee or something like that. And eventually she just 
sat down with her arms crossed, very pouty, like she wanted to give up. You're like, this is a part of the process. You're actually doing great. The fact that you tried and failed is not a problem. You're on the way. And you'll never get to where you're going if you don't go through some growing pains and through some pain and some struggling and some suffering along that way. And I wonder how many people want to celebrate and give a ribbon. uh, Hey, you climbed the mountain. That ski lift was awesome. We don't celebrate the ski lift. We celebrate, how on earth did you climb Mount Everest? I mean, the, the kind of human uh, perseverance to physically go where no one expects that you can go, and it's not easy, there's pain, and that's why we celebrate it. And so sometimes that suffering we endure leads to growth because that task was worthy of the struggle. And I know that it's hard, but I pray that we all have that that adventurous, courageous spirit of God in us that sees struggles, that sees challenges, and says, I look for God's hope. I look for what God might do. It might be hard, but eventually God's glory and God's hope are there, and it's worth that struggle. And I think about, um, you might have seen the video I posted on Facebook of my daughter playing basketball, but you know, it took a few times of the pouting, I can't believe I can't dribble this basketball at three years old. <laughs> and then finally she had one where she dribbled like eight or nine, ten times, and then she throws her hands up in the air, and she's so excited. And you can like just read that on her face. And if she wasn't willing to actually just struggle and mess up, she wouldn't get to that point of being able to celebrate. And too many of us give up and then we quit before we get to that, that hope of something greater. And Paul talks about this path of peace that comes through struggling. Let us boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And that whole path is one of reliance. It's not because I'm strong, but it's I'm resilient in God, that God is going to make something out of my struggles. God is going to take it and turn it into something beautiful. In your weakness and in your suffering, there's endurance, there's character building, and ultimately hope. It's rooted and finished in hope. Let us boast in our hope of what God might do. And in the midst of even of our sufferings, eventually hope comes again. And that's possible because of God's love. And I know we all know that path because you've seen it. There are people in your family, there's people in your church, there's people in your life who have demonstrated hope in the midst of great suffering, who have been resilient in the face of trauma. Um, I know one that's uh, dear to me on my heart is I called Jan and Dar this week to say, hey, our text is on suffering and hope. How on earth do you find hope in the midst of pain? And, you know, Jan just sat there and she just said, you know, I don't see it as suffering. And I think there's something to that, that when we have the wrong orientation, the suffering, we just focus on the suffering, and it just hurts, and I focus on it hurting. 
But when you're looking bigger than that and beyond that, that suffering isn't suffering anymore because all you see is hope. All you see is God's presence. So in the midst of your worst days, you still see God in your midst. And so I want to know, what are we boasting in? Are we boasting in ourselves and our own plans and our own selves and our own things? Are we boasting in what God might do? Not only in us, but in all of us. In our shared hope of God's glory. And if we want to follow God into that peace, we have to make a decision about whether we want to give up some of that selfish ambition for the sake of all. And you might have seen on our bulletin, I I chose a picture intentionally for this week, uh, kind of a Grand Canyon type image there, the water pouring through. The majesty and and the grandness of the Grand Canyon is actually its suffering. That over so, so many years, water eroded the space into something majestic that uh, takes time. And at first it wouldn't have looked majestic, but over time it started to look greater and greater and greater. And I wonder sometimes for ourselves when God's love is pouring over us and we say, you know, God, I can't love this person. I can't be compassionate to this person. I can't be generous to this person. And God's water keeps flowing over you and you feel it maybe moving on your heart. Sometimes we build a dam. Say, no, God, this isn't an area for you. I don't want to do that. I don't like this person. You're not going to make me like this person, God. And we give up on what God's love might do and how that relationship might be transformed. But when we make the decision to allow God's love to pour over us, and we go to God in prayer, we keep showing up to God, God's love starts eroding at that little ugliness in my life. That little place where I'm not loving starts eroding down. And God is modeling out something beautiful and grand, not only in me, but in that relationship. But it's on us about whether we want to take that path of peace. Do we want to go towards something beautiful and bigger than us? Or do I want to keep my way on that thing and keep God out of it? So, will you let the waters of God's love shape you this morning? Would you join me in prayer, boasting in God? Lord, I'm so grateful for your presence in our midst. I'm grateful for everyone's story that's here that has already said a yes to you and something in their life that have already ventured with you into some unknown, some some scary place in which they maybe couldn't even imagine that you might move, and you have moved. And Lord... Maybe some people are in here like me that, well, yeah, you've, you, you've moved in my life, but how do I trust that you'll move again? How do I trust that this thing that erodes at me, this thing that hurts, might actually be something beautiful that you are doing in my life? 
Lord, give us wisdom. Give us hope. Let us boast in your hope so that one day we might have peace with you fully. It's in your name we pray. Amen.